Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Um, I want us to take our Bibles and turn to the book of Acts chapter 4. I like hearing babies cry in church, actually. I'm, I'm one of those different preachers, I guess, because it, it tells me a couple of things about the parents. Number one, they're pro-life. And number two, they're bringing their kid to church. So I, I, that, that's, the sound of, that's the sound of potential to me <laughs> for a child to learn the things of God at an early age and avoid a lot of things that some of you here in the room didn't avoid before you came to Christ. Amen. But you're here now. Hallelujah. Get them started early in the house of God. Um, this preacher was going to tee off. And so as he got his ball set on the tee and lined up to swing, he hears this voice from above say, oh, I'm sorry, I need to back up for a moment. He's from the tee box to the green is nothing but water between them. So he puts his cheap golf ball there. And he hears the voice tell him, put that Titleist down there. Pick up that cheap, put the Titleist down there. Preacher, oh, okay. So he pulls out his Titleist and he puts it there on the tee and gets ready to tee off again. And the voice says, won't you step back, take a couple of practice swings. So he says, oh, okay. The preacher does a couple of practice swings and approaches the ball again. The voice says, never mind, put that old ball back up there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Today I want to talk to you about the traits of an encourager. All right? The traits of an encourager. Muhammad Ali, he was asked the question, what is the greatest lesson that you have learned in all of your boxing career? And so he told the story of a heavyweight bout uh, that he, where he fought Sonny Liston in 1964. Muhammad Ali goes on to tell that story. He says, Liston was the strongest man I'd ever fought. He said, uh, uh, every time I hit him, it hurt me more than it hurt him. And he said, by the, by the end of the sixth round, I am completely spent. I can't even lift my arms up. And he said, I'm over in the corner, and there's no way I'm going to go back into that fight. As a matter of fact, that's what I said. I'm not going back in. I'm going home. I am done. But his trainer would not let him get off the hook. He said, yes, you are going back in there. He said, no, I'm not. I'm not going back in there. I, can't, I don't have any more to give. And his trainer was Angelo Dundi. Some, a lot of you guys who follow boxing know that. And uh, finally, the bell rang, and Ali still sat there, just completely gassed. And his trainer pushed him, and he told him. He said, you get in there, and you don't come out until you're the heavyweight champion of the world. And with that, Ali stumbled to his feet. Liston didn't stumble to his feet. But they met in the middle, and by the end of that fight, Muhammad Ali was the heavyweight champion of the world. He said, the greatest lesson that I've learned is to have someone pushing you and making you do things that you don't think that you can do. And that's what encouragement does for us. So you need somebody in your corner whenever you've given everything that you can, and it's not enough. That's when you need somebody there, someone to cheer you on, someone there reminding you, hey, God is on your side. Yeah. 
God is with you. you. God who began this work in you, he will be faithful to complete it into the day of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And others need you. Others need you for encouragement as well. That's why we're here, to always bring hope, to always bring encouragement. Who is it that's in your life? Somebody helped you get where you are today. Somebody championed you along the way by telling you, way to go. You can do it. I believe in you. Come on, give it one more try. I think all of us can testify that somebody in our life, whether it was a parent, a coach, teacher, Pastor Eric, obviously, um, but somebody was in your life pulling for you, right? Somebody was in your life, in your corner saying, come on, you can do it. And that little bit of encouragement along the way helped you move forward. It helped you try something new. It helped you do something that you thought you could never do. Encouragement is defined as to inspire with courage or with spirit or confidence. So we're going to look into the life of a man by the name of Barnabas. Barnabas is found in, and this man is first found in Acts chapter 4. That wasn't the name that was given by his parents. The name that they gave him was Joses or for all of my Mexican friends here, Jose, all right? J-O-S-E-S is actually one of, the name of one of Jesus' brothers. I mean, they didn't variate that much, did they? We got Jesus and then we got Joseph. But this Joseph, or Jose, was not called Jose by the apostles. The scripture says that they gave him another name, and that was the name Barnabas. And this is where we'll find it in Acts chapter 4 and verse 36. Acts chapter 4. Verse 36, and Joses, who's, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, verse 37, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So the first thing that we see about Barnabas, they call him son of encouragement. You know, if you're going to be called son of anything, son of encouragement is really good. Amen. <laughs> I'll take that. I've had the other. I like son of encouragement better. But, uh, and, and the first thing it says about this man was that he sold a piece of land and he brought the proceeds to the apostles' feet. This is the very early ages of the church. The church had just really taken off. And two chapters prior, in Acts chapter 2, we read about this amazing event. After Christ had risen from the dead and ascended into heaven, the apostles were told to go gather together and wait for the promise of the Father. Jesus said, I'm going to send the Spirit, and when He comes, He's going to be just like me. And He's going to come, He's going to live in you. And sure enough, that day the Holy Spirit showed up and showed out. The scripture says, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them divided tongues as of fire, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then, I mean, those, those that were, were, uh, were from other parts of the world, the other Jews that had come up for the feast, they hear these 120 people speaking in these other tongues, but they understand it in their own language. I mean, it was a, it was a miracle of miracles. And then Peter's, they're all confused, saying, what does this mean? And so then Peter stands up and he preaches the gospel to them and tells them, this was prophesied before by the prophet Joel. In the last days, I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters will prophesy and your young men will see visions and your old men are going to dream dreams. And so th then they said, what do we got to do? And, and 
Peter said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, repent and, and, and be baptized. And so 3,000 people, the scripture says, were saved that day. 3,000 people were brought into the church. Can you imagine a church of 120 people went from that to 3,120 people? And it was explosive growth. I mean, the next thing that we see about the church, it was 5,000. And it, it, just, it was just blowing up. And so what happened was they had no infrastructure to handle this. And there were lots of needy people come there. And so they, they decided that, so the people just, just rallied around the, the cause, rallied around the church. And so they were selling stuff that they had and bringing the money to the apostles. And then they were distributing to the needs as, as they needed. And so uh, Barnabas is doing that. He's one of those who came, sold a piece of land, brought the proceeds to the apostles. And then the next, uh, I, I want to look at another place that we see Barnabas is, is in uh, Acts chapter 11. You know, some people are naturally gifted at encouragement. As a matter of fact, it is one of the gifts given by God, the gift of encouragement or exhortation. And, and I like being around those people, don't you? I like being around people who believe the best in me, you know, who kind of look at life through rose-colored glasses, you know, everything's good. Those guys who, who see potential, those guys who look, at, are able to see possibility, I like being around those people. It encourages me. It inspires me. The scripture says, so encourage each other and build each other up. This is our, our call from God. To encourage one another and build each other up. And here, Barnabas, we're going to see another, another part of this. Let me just say this. An encourager brings blessings. It's the first thing that, the, it's three traits we're going to look at. This first one is an encourager brings blessings. He brought the proceeds. He brought his offering and laid it at the apostles' feet. But then there's something else about this man that's a bringer as well. Another blessing. Verse 22 of Acts 11 says this. Uh, Acts chapter 11. The news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. Verse 23. When he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. And verse 24 says, For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas brought blessings both in material things and in spiritual things. He's a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, full of faith, and certainly a generous man. Now, bringing blessings to people is, is, well, you really can't put a price on it. I, when I was, I got a job at a church as a worship leader and a, an assistant pastor, and it was the first time, actually, I had come out from under my dad as my boss. I'd always I'd cut my teeth in ministry with him and learned with him. But now I was, I was going to another church. We had a relationship with the pastor, but I wasn't directly under my father anymore. And, and uh, so I was excited and a, little, and a bit nervous about the new venture and because his style of ministry was a lot different than my dad's. And uh, <clears throat> so when I got there, um, we, we'd just gotten the ball rolling. And as the assistant pastor, I mean, no, my role had expanded. My, really, my initial ministry had just been experience had been just music worship leading well now he had also made me his assistant pastor the assistant pastor by the way if you want to know who that guy is he's the guy that does whatever the pastor doesn't want to do all right so I'm glad to be the pastor now <laughs> but this and and so I, I did a lot of the counseling for our pastor and I, it was a great experience for me I learned a lot about people about human nature 
some things I didn't really care to know, but learned them anyway, and learned things about myself, you know, learned things about the Lord, and, uh, but my dad came and visited me. He, he and my mom were living in Austin. Dad had started a church down there, and he said, son, I want to I take you to go buy you a suit. Now that you're stepping into that pastoral row, you've got to have you a nice suit. So he uh, takes me not to uh, Sears or JCPenney's like I would have expected, you know, just go pick a suit off a hanger. And uh, we went to this men's boutique suit called Gabriel's. You've been there. And you walk in, you know, and, and you, I immediately sense, I don't belong in a place like this. This stuff is out of my league. But my dad said, asked me, he said, have you ever been fitted for a suit? I said, yeah. I take it off the hanger and see if it fits. And then that's about as far as it goes. Yeah, that'll work. Yeah. <laughs> but he had this tailor come over, and he's measuring me, you know, and, and I thought, oh, this is cool. So then the, then the guy starts piecing my suit together for me, and, and I could not believe the difference in pulling a suit off a hanger at a department store and putting a suit on that was made for me. It did something to me. It made me feel completely different. It, made, it, it brought my confidence level up. And bought me some shirts to go with it and all that. And I felt like I was on top of the world at that moment. I was so encouraged to do what I did. And even those things that the uncertainty of, of being in this new ministry, all of that just seemed to go away. That suit was like a suit of armor. As an encourager, I want to, I want to admonish you today and encourage you today to be willing to bring blessings. Be willing to invest into someone. Because it can make all the difference for them. It might not even be much to you, but it could mean everything to them. Because here's the truth. The things that you possess, they may be valuable, but the things that you give are priceless. And you can't, you can't put a value on that. God's promise to Abraham was this, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. And the scripture says, you and I have been given that same promise. I will bless you. And you will be a blessing. All right. And I say it like that because I know you've heard me say this. We hear the phrase, I'm blessed to be a blessing. Well, that's not the only reason I'm blessed. I'm blessed because God loves me and I will be a blessing. So it's a little different thing. You know, if I'm just blessed to be a blessing, I might just see that my relationship with God is about a performance. But if I know that I will bless you and you will be a blessing, yeah. See, not only does he want to use you to bless others, but he also wants to bless you. Amen. Galatians chapter 6 says this, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So this is really where it starts here, amongst our brothers and sisters, to do good and seek opportunity to encourage and to bring blessings to one another. Are you all right with that? An encourager brings blessings. So let's go to the second trait now. I find the second trait of an encourager in Barnabas, the son of encouragement, in Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, verse 26. Acts chapter 9 and verse 26. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. And you can't blame these guys for that. Right? I mean, just prior to this, Saul was wreaking havoc on the church. He was doing everything he could to destroy it and to see it extinguished from planet Earth. He was there consenting to the death of the great deacon 
Stephen, he was the first martyr of the church, and as they rained down stones upon him and stoned him to death brutally, Saul was there consenting to that death, holding the coats of the men who were throwing the rocks. And he was, they were dragging men and women out of their homes and imprisoning them. Anybody that declared the name of Jesus, anybody that spoke of what they called the way, they were, they were to be done with. They were to be dealt with and done with. And now... They hear a knock at the door, and there's, to them, Osama bin Laden standing there. Hello, my brothers. Might I come in? No, you may not. I mean, this is Peter, James, and Peter walked on water, right? He's like, no, don't let that guy in the house. Right? John, the beloved John, who's all about love, love, love. And yeah, yeah, nope, nope, I can love anybody but that guy. <laughs> Peter, who's willing to kill anybody with a sword. James, the brother of Jesus, nope. Andrew, how about Andrew? This guy's the evangelist, right? He doesn't have any problem bringing anybody to Jesus, but he is not about to let Saul in that house. As far as he's concerned, that guy can go to hell. So they're not letting him in. They're not letting me, no, 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 this is not going to happen. And as much as he was persisting, if you read this in the Greek tense, that it says that Paul was tried again and again and again, and these guys were not going to have any of it. I mean, obviously they thought he had some ulterior motive. Now, we know that you've got something strapped to you here. I don't even know. You're not coming in here. But look at verse 27. Watch this. But Barnabas, everybody say, but Barnabas. Oh, this is so sweet. Barnabas steps in to save the day. Barnabas, the son of encouragement, he took him and brought him to the apostles. And he declared to them, he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road. So Barnabas is saying, hey, listen, this is not the same guy that he used to be. He saw the Lord on the road and, that, and, and the Lord spoke to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So he, that is Saul, was with them at Jerusalem coming in and going out. An encourager breaks barriers. An encourager breaks barriers. But Barnabas. You know, this is the real mark of an encourager, one that will champion the underdog, one that will be there when nobody else will be there, one that will take you by the hand and pull you through. Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. And I think it's awesome that he never brought up what Saul had done prior to this moment. He didn't say, I know, I know this guy's a murderer. I know he threw some of you guys in prison. I know he, re he didn't even bring any of that. All he did was basically said, listen, guys, don't look at the man for what he was. Look at him for who he is now. All right, let's walk forward from this moment forward. There was a boy whose dad who passed away when he was just five years old. And life was very difficult for him. By the age of, by, by the sixth grade, he actually quit school and had, had, had tried to work several jobs up to the, by the time he was 17, he had just lost job after job after job. And he got married at the age of 18, had a baby at 19. And by the age of 20, he and his wife were separated. So he tried his hand at being a railroad conductor and got fired and he joined the military and got 
discharged from the military. He became a farmer and lost his shirt in that deal. He applied to law school but got turned down and he became an insurance salesman but couldn't give it away. And finally, he ended up as a cook and a dishwasher at a little two-bit restaurant. And he was able to talk his wife into coming back home and they reconciled to where both of them now were working in that little restaurant, cooking and washing dishes. Finally, at the age of 65, he retired. And one day he went out to his mailbox to get his first Social Security check in the amount of $105. He became extremely discouraged at this and decided that he was going to kill himself. So he sat under a shade tree and he wrote out his last will and testament, determined now to just simply end his life. And somehow his wife got news of it. And she came to him and she said, Listen, let me tell you one thing that I know that you can do, and I believe that you can do it better than anybody that I know. And he said, what's that? She said, you can cook. And he said, do you really think so? And she said, you're fabulous at it. Well, this gave him an idea, got some wind in his cells, and so he went and borrowed $87 from the bank against his Social Security check. And he went to the store, and he bought some chicken and some boxes. He fried that chicken with a special recipe that he had developed on his own, and he put it in those boxes, and he began going door-to-door in Corbin, Kentucky, selling his chicken. It became so popular that he came up with an idea to try to sell it to different restaurants. 1,014 turndowns. I mean, 1,014 times he was turned down, and finally one guy by the name of John Y. Brown said, I will go into business with you after he tasted that chicken. And the name of this man is none other than Colonel Sanders. Sanders, hallelujah. And we're all better for it today. (laughs) An encourager is able to break barriers. An encourager is able to help people see beyond the walls that are, they are trapped in. Help them see down the road that they cannot see. Help them see a way out that they cannot see. Help them break through that monotony. Break through that cycle. Help them push beyond. An encourager breaks barriers. Whether that's Those barriers of failed attempts, barriers of strained or broken relationships, barriers of discouragement. You and I are the voice that they need to hear. Help help them. Help them break through. Encourage someone into victory. Now, this last place we want to go to, this third trait I want us to focus on, on being an encourager is found in Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15 is a, is a pinnacle verse in the entire Bible, but especially in the book of Acts. And this is where they finally decided the issue of, are Jews and Gentiles supposed to behave the same? In other words, these Jews, well, first of all, were not excited about the Gentiles coming into the kingdom of God. And so they decided, well, if you're going to do that, okay, yeah, that's great that you believe on Jesus, but you need to become circumcised and you need to keep the law of Moses. And so there was this, all this arguing and disputing. And so Paul and Barnabas had even come there at this time, and they were all trying to settle this dispute. And finally, Peter stands up and says, Guys, you know what happened when I was at Cornelius' house, that Gentile, that pagan Gentile's house, with whom we would have nothing to do, but the Holy Spirit told me to go, and how I preached the gospel to them, and they believed, and God purified their hearts by faith. And we know it happens by faith, because as I was preaching, they just started speaking in other tongues. I mean, apparently something happened there. 
They had to believe the gospel because Jesus said, tongues follows believers. So something happened, and we know actually that we're saved like them. Why are we trying to put a burden on these guys that we can't even bear? Why are we trying to make them, put them under the law when we couldn't even keep the commandments? So they finally settled the issue, right? Thank God. And they did come up with a little set of rules, though. James says, let me, okay, let, let's just write a letter to these churches because, I mean, they were causing up all this trouble. The, the Scripture says that they were unsettling the souls of people. He said, okay, let's write down a few rules. Okay, don't drink blood. Um, don't offer stuff to idols. Quit sleeping around. Yeah, that'll work. I think we can do this, right? Anybody have an appetite for blood? today? To do, I, mean, I mean, yeah, I can totally abstain from that. Yeah, it's, I'm good with that. I'm certainly not planning on offering idols, and I'm married now, so got that part, other part fixed. So, um, yeah, that's good. But then, before this chapter's through, even Paul and Barnabas are telling about all the amazing things that happened through their ministry. I mean, they have been out and they've been, they've been establishing churches. They've been encouraging people. They've, they've, been, they've been having miracle crusades. People are getting saved and healed. Marvelous things are happening. And then Paul comes up with this idea. Let's look at verse, is it 36, Alex? Yes, verse 36. Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Verse 37. Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark. Verse 38, but Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Verse 39, then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another and so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. Verse 40, but Paul chose Silas and departed being committed by the brethren to the grace of God. That's a, that's a sad story to me, that Paul and Barnabas part ways here. After they've all, I mean, they've, they've really just gotten things started and have great fruit from their partnership in ministry. And now there's a wedge between them over this young man by the name of Mark or John Mark. And the reason is because they had been on a missions trip before and Mark decided to go home somewhere during that trip and Paul did not like it at all. I mean, he marked him. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm telling you, if you'd give more, the jokes would get better. So, uh. <laughs> so, Paul, Paul did not like this at all. And it, I mean, because they were, they were facing tribulation, they were facing trouble, and it could be that Mark was a mama's boy. I don't know. Maybe he got homesick. But whatever excuse Mark came up with, Paul did not like the excuse. <laughs> a dollar? I'm keeping this. Okay. Thank you, Jeannie. I can get a sausage biscuit now. That's not bad. Okay. Um, okay, we've got to continue. Where are we? 
Yeah, mama's boy. Okay, thank you, Mark. Mark. Okay. Hey, that was worth a buck. That was worth a buck. Okay. Now, the contention is over Mark. And Mark is Barnabas' nephew, all right? It's his nephew, so you can see why Barnabas, you know, is favorable to Mark. But Paul doesn't want anything to do with this kid. He's like, you know, and I can imagine, I can see what Paul's point here. Hey, listen, we're out in this. We're out in the fight right now. We're in the fray. We cannot have guys quitting on us. This is not going to work. But Barnabas apparently saw something in this kid. And he believes so much in his potential that he's willing to break ties with Paul to do it. And so they go their separate ways. The third trait of an encourager, I'm going to leave with you today, is an encourager builds bridges. You might ask, how was a bridge built there? Just wait. It took some time for that to happen. It took some time. And we can't find it there, the bridge building in that chapter. We have to go to another place. And we're actually going to look at some of Paul's writings, two different scriptures. I am coming to the end of this message. Can I get a whoop? All right, okay. I think it's kind of interesting that Barnabas didn't quit on Paul. The other disciples said, we don't have anything to do with him. But Barnabas persisted on behalf of Paul. Because the encourager sees potential more than he sees the problem. Right? And now he sees, again, it's like, here's another situation. But Paul doesn't want anything to do. I just think that's kind of interesting. Paul doesn't want anything to do with Mark. The famous American businessman Charles Schwab said, I have yet to find a man. However, exalted his station, who did not do better work and put forth greater effort under a spirit of approval than under a spirit of criticism. If Barnabas had quit on Mark, if he decided, okay, Mark's not going with this, then there is a good chance, my family, that we would not read the words that were just read here to us this morning out of Mark chapter 11, verse 22, have faith in God, because it was that Mark who wrote the gospel of Mark. Matter of fact, that Bible, scholars believe that Mark's gospel was the outline for the other three gospels to be written from, as well, especially Mark, Luke, and, Luke and Matthew, that they believe it was written first, and it was this young man. I'm glad Barnabas didn't give up on him. We also wouldn't read, and these signs will follow those who believe. Because Mark's the only one that records that. But we're going to go to Paul's letters here. Verse Col uh, Colossians chapter 4, verse 10. Bring that up right quick, Alex, for everybody to see. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 10. Our Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you with Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. That says cousin of Barnabas. But if you look that up in the Greek, it actually means sister's son. So his nephew of Barnabas. Kind of like over in, uh, in Genesis where it calls Lot Abraham's nephew and his brother. I don't know why they can't get that figured out. But this is the nephew of Barnabas. About, watch what he says. Because this is written later than, than when the, the, action, it, the act in 
what happened in Acts chapter 15, that event. This is written later. And look what Paul says. Greet you with Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, about whom you received instructions. If he comes to you, you welcome him. If he comes to you, you welcome him. All right? Looks like something's changed here between Paul and this, and this young man. At one time, it had nothing to do with him, and now he's offering a different opinion about him. Now, one last place we're going to see, 2 Timothy chapter 4. This is the very last chapter that Paul wrote, the very last letter that Paul wrote, uh, and he wrote it to his son Timothy right before he was beheaded for the gospel. And one of the things that I, lo- I love reading 2 Timothy chapter 4 It encourages me greatly because in his dying or knowing that he's about to go to heaven, he doesn't encourage Timothy to give up and go home. He tells him, preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, correct, encourage. In verse 11, toward the end of the chapter, he's given some some various instructions. And one of the things he says, look at this in verse 11. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark. And bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. You see the bridge now? Barnabas took this risk for this young man, and it paid off in the future. Now, we don't, we don't, we don't, we really have a hard time connecting the dots between Paul and Barnabas after that, after they parted ways in Acts chapter 15. But Mark is the bridge that connects the two later in life. Marvelous. An encourager builds bridges. You may not see the fruit of your encouragement immediately. Sometimes you do. But how many of you have kids here? How many of you have encouraged them again and again? And again, 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 encouraged. Right? But it'll pay off. You're building bridges because you want to be friends with that kid when they grow up. All right? Not time to be friend now, but when they grow up, you can be friends. All right? So you're building bridges to your future. And encourager brings blessings. Be willing to give of what you have, both materially and spiritually. And encourager breaks barriers. Champion the underdog. Help someone see beyond their walls and break through. Help them break through their barriers. And lastly, an encourager builds bridges. Don't give up on people. Build bridges. Think about the future. Think down the road. Be willing to take a risk for someone. Amen. Father, I thank you for my my family here today. Lord, we thank you for these encouraging words that we've received. Lord, we we understand today that your scripture teaches us that our words are powerful things, that death and life are in the power of the tongue. May we be those who are sold out to life, sold out to speaking life, words of healing, Words of encouragement. Words that build. There's enough of other stuff out there. Tearing down and tearing apart. But Father God, we are your spokesmen on the earth. We are those who speak for you. As, As Paul said, let your speech always be with grace. Seasoned with salt. 
that you may know how you ought to answer every man. In other words, grace is always the answer for every man. I thank you, Lord, that we've had people and continue to have people that encourage us, that help us to always remember that. Especially when we're in the heat of the moment and it's so tempting, God, to give up. It's so tempting to walk away. It's so tempting to say that thing that we know is going to be hurtful. Father God, we'd step above that. We'd rise above that and be sons and daughters of encouragement. Father, I thank you for this precious people here today. Lord, may your word take deep root in our hearts. We thank you for those opportunities that are out there before us called people where we can speak a word and maybe build them up and help them continue to take that next step, that new thing, that new adventure, Father. Thank you, Lord, that Christ died for our sins. Thank you that he was buried, but thank you mostly that he rose from the dead. And whoever believes on him will receive everlasting life. What an encouragement that is, that through him we live forever and ever and evermore. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.